welcome back to this episode of the Shooting Bricks podcast. And guys, we're a little bit a worse for wear, if that's the proper term to call it. Worse for wear because one of us isn't here because they got the, f- I was about to call it the flu vaccine, but they got the COVID vaccine, shot number two. So shout out to them, staying vaccinated, staying healthy. And if you're out there listening to this, please stay healthy, save yourself, save other people. Just do it for all of us. But now that that's out of the way, a lot of things have happened in the NBA, particularly today. But before we get into that, as always, I'm Jerry Castillo, and I'm joined by uh, Daniel Huynh. Unfortunately, I did not win the lottery for LAFC tickets this weekend, but that's honestly, yeah. I know it's it's a sad thing. But hey, there's next week against the Sounders, so all is good. Uh, shout out to Jarrell. I hope he I hope he's feeling better and joining joining me as well. It's your boy, Skylar Treble. Nah, I had to give a shout out to Jarrell. I miss hearing the Rally Rell shout out. And shout out to Jarrell as well for always sticking by LaMarcus Aldridge. Shout out to LaMarcus Aldridge for an amazing career. I know we're going to get into that today, but uh, wow, man, life comes at you fast. So enjoy each day. Yeah, absolutely. Life does come at you fast. And really quickly, another shout out. Shout out to Sam, Sam New. For being the 400th Instagram follower. So shout out to you. Really appreciate it. You, we're, we're doing our claps, golf claps, because, you know, microphones and stuff. But shout out to you. Thank you so much for giving us number 400. We really appreciate it. And on to, what, 800? 500? 500 is probably a decent goal, right? Not 800 all the way. 1,000 at some point. Uh, yeah. Hey, at least if we keep growing, that's all that matters. We keep growing. Right. We'll keep growing. We'll keep going. And hopefully, we'll last 15 years like seven-time All-Star and five-time NBA, All-NBA selection, LaMarcus Aldridge, because today he announced his retirement because of an irregular heartbeat. Um, you know, as someone who's dealt with heart issues in the past, um, you know, I've had, you know, I've dealt with mitral valve prolapse for people who know what that is, and I've dealt with bradycardia at some point as well. Um, it's not the best situation to play a game that you love and enjoy but have to retire because of that, because of your irregular heartbeat. But yeah, he said that his last game was on April 10th. And this is kind of scary because he said after the game, his heart rhythm got worse and the feeling he felt in his heart was, quote, one of the scariest things he's experienced. And he was actually previously diagnosed with Wolf-Parkinson-White syndrome, which causes the heart to beat abnormally fast for periods of time. And like I said, he's played 15 years in the in the NBA. He averaged 19, 8, and 2 assists in about just over 1,000 games. And he's one of 25 players in NBA history with over 19,000 points and 8,000 rebounds, according to StatMuse. So this is depressing news. Um, you know, it's sad to see. I felt like he was still in his prime technically because with such a low grounded game, he never could go out of his prime per se. He's like, in a weird way, he's a cheaper version of Tim Duncan with the jump shot and without the defense. And so just positing this question out to you guys, what's your favorite memory of LaMarcus Aldridge? For me personally, it's when he, I think it was 2015, correct me if I'm wrong, he just torched the Houston Rockets in game one and game two for, I think, like a combined 89 points or like 90 points or something in those two games. He was completely unstoppable. And, you know, everyone was talking about the three-point revolution. Well, this dude kept destroying people with mid-range jumpers. And I always enjoyed that about his game, and I'll miss that, just not being able to see that anymore. But, yeah, favorite memory of LaMarcus Aldridge? I don't particularly have a, a favorite memory of LaMarcus Aldridge, but I do have a favorite time of his, and that was um, 07 to around 2009, early on in his career, when he was playing with Brandon Roy. Um, it's it's unfortunate that this happened, but props to him for, you know, stepping up for his health. Um, like, I'm going to be very serious when I say this. He is part of a dying breed. Uh, he, you know, he's one of the last, in my opinion, one of the last great traditional back-to-the-back uh, bigs that we're ever going to see in the game of basketball. Um, the, his footwork in his career was impeccable, uh, top-notch. He was always beautiful to watch on, on television set. I'm definitely going to miss him. But, like, my favorite memories, like, of him, I don't particularly have one, but 
the his early career days with Brandon Roy when the Blazers were this young and up-and-coming team that could be a championship-contending team. And they had Rudy Fernandez, uh, like, ready to hit that corner three shot. Uh, that's my favorite era uh, from LaMarcus Aldridge's career. What a pull. What a pull, Absolutely. Rudy Fernandez. And the really, really young LaMarcus Aldridge. But go ahead, Skylar. Oh, definitely. No, for sure. Rookie 06, LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, playing with Zach Randolph in Portland was absolutely amazing. Definitely great memories. The whole era, man, I mean, his whole career, I loved Spurs, LaMarcus Aldridge. It's impossible to believe he played there for six seasons. I mean, there's just no way. It felt like such a short period. And he had some great plays and some great dunks. But for me, favorite LaMarcus Aldridge memory, I'm going with him hitting two buzzer beaters against Dallas in two years, 2012 and 2013. First, he hits a nice, you know, step to the side, mid-range, long two, and he drains that buzzer beater in overtime. And then the classic LaMarcus Aldridge fadeaway right at the buzzer against Dallas again in 2013. Yes. Yeah, that was that was just incredible. That was prime LaMarcus other than uh, that Houston Rockets series for sure. And I'm reading G's favorite memory here, the 2014 and 15 season up to scoring average, like 23, 24 points, getting double doubles and arguably the top power forward in the game had some nice playoffs games because I know G would have wanted to share his favorite LaMarcus memory. But yeah, for me, just a really amazing player. I think he's should for sure be in the Hall of Fame. He's one of those seven-time All-Stars, defines part of an era, and one of the greatest power forwards of the new millennium by far. That's interesting because you mentioned being in the Hall of Fame. Basketball Reference has him at 50.9%. Now, he is a seven-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA selection. The thing is, is that enough, right? And I think it's for sure enough. I think it's mm -hmm. for sure enough. I mean, there's countless players that go to the hall that never won a uh, won a championship. I I mean, like, it doesn't even have to be a championship to be honest. Like, look at uh, Tracy McGrady. Yeah, uh, I mean, Lamarcus Aldridge was a a vocal part of those teams. He had a leadership role, and he had like I'm, I wouldn't say he was a superstar, but he was a bona fide star for sure. Absolutely, yeah. all NBA star. Yes, simply put, because he like. The thing is, G really likes the mid-range. And having played basketball yes. with him a lot of times over the span of the last six years that I've known him, he's always in that mid-range area. So I can see where his affinity for LaMarcus's mid-range game comes through. And, you know, that's, again, something that I'll miss, that mid-range mastery. Because yes, there was a time, I think, in 2018 or, no, 2019, pretty sure, that LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan took more mid-range shots than almost every other team in the league. And that's just an insane thing. And the yeah. fact that we won't be able to see that anymore, at least from LaMarcus's end, it's, uh, it's, it's sad. But, you know, it is for his health, which is perfectly okay. This is 1,000% a, a really cool thing that he's doing because... We don't want another Pistol Pete Maravich situation where he hops out of the league, he plays a pickup run, and then he ends up dying from a heart attack because of an undiagnosed, you know, heart condition. So, like, it it is what it is. Congrats on a on a wonderful career, Lamarcus. I mean, absolutely. It's. Uh, I hope the mid range, you know, eventually comes back in style one day because there, there's there's an artistry to it. There yeah. is. And, and LaMarcus Aldridge with that footwork really mastered that artistry. And not only that, but for me, one of the reasons he's a Hall of Famer is, first of all, if you're a star of an era, that puts you in consideration. But it's what you just brought up, Jared, about LaMarcus and DeMar. They kept the mid-range alive single-handedly as it was fade, literally fading away, away, they kept doing the fadeaways. And so shout out to LaMarcus Aldridge for, for really being a special player at his size, the footwork inside, the mid-range shots, the buzzer beaters, the playoff moments. To me, that's a Hall of Famer for sure. Right. The hooks. And yeah. But he always went to that, I think, what? The left block, and then he just faded away over his right shoulder. Just that touch that nobody can can defend. And then as yeah. 
as everyone started to implement the Dirk move, the Dirk fadeaway, he started doing that as well. And it's like, how do you stop a dude that's 6'11", fading away, and just has that perfect release super high up? That's It's unstoppable, but yeah. Exactly. We're going to miss LaMarcus Aldridge. Hopefully we see him in the Hall of Fame one day, sometime soon, him and Chris Bosh. But I'm just going to leave it off with this. He said, quote, you never know when something will come to an end. So make sure you enjoy it every day. I can truly say I did just that. And I'm pretty sure I speak for all of us here when we say that we enjoyed watching him play every single time he was out on the floor. So, yeah, we'll miss you, LaMarcus. Hopefully, well, hopefully we know that retirement will do you good. So that's a shout out to LMA mid range forever, mid range forever. But from one big man in one conference to the other, James Wiseman. It's kind of weird. We're talking about how one is ending their career. The other one is just starting. Well, it turns out that this season is a lost one for James Wiseman because he has torn his right meniscus and he's out for the rest of the season per shams and a little bit more of, Golden State news because James Wiseman's uh, injury does suck a lot. Really dampers the Warriors' chances of trying to sneak into that sixth spot so that they can avoid the playing tournament. But Golden State president and CEO Rick Welts is retiring at the end of the season. So for people that may not know, he's been running the uh, the business side of the Warriors for the past decade. And he's also the first openly gay pro sports executive, which is super awesome. As well, Daniel, this is something of interest to you. He was credited for the creation of the All-Star Weekend in 1984 and helped market the Dream Team in 1992. He was also also 1998's Marketer of the Year for his work in helping launch the WNBA. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2018. So quick thoughts on Wiseman and, by extension, Rick Waltz, because... The Wiseman news sucks. As a Warriors fan, everyone knows this. It sucks. But the Rick Welts thing, it's cool that he's retiring, but his impact in the game has been felt for so long that it kind of sucks to see him gone. Uh, First off on Wiseman, uh, I think the – yeah, I agree. The injury does suck, but at the same time, he was deep into his rookie season. Uh, Injuries, I mean, as far as, like, you know, any injury is bad – but I feel like with today's medical technology and, you know, looking at what happens to Zion, I think Wiseman is going to be back better than ever than uh, better than ever next season. And the Warriors will be in a championship contention. As far as well, uh, I think people truly underestimate the power of marketing and sports. Let's face it. The reason why the NBA is where it is today is because of, 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 its, of its magnificent marketing campaign. And Waltz was a, you know, a core part of that marketing, uh, of the core marketing strategies that were common over the last 20, 30 years. So I think his presence is going to be missed. Uh, I think, but I truly believe with the way the game has been going, uh, it's in good hands. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's a, I think, you know, I can understand why he decided to go. I think it was the proper time, but he is, he's, we're going to miss him. Oh. Yeah, I think uh, I think that James Wiseman. This reminds me, although Randall got in, Julius Randall got injured in the very first game of his Lakers career. What I liked about it was he got injured. We saw flashes, and then he found his game. And that's kind of what I see happening with Wiseman. I think he'll get the injury this season. I think he'll come back. It'll we'll see a ton of flashes like we have, you know, he really is like a modern day Chris Bosch almost who can run the floor very well. And so I think this is a great, you know, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, lots of great players, rookie seasons do not go very well or end in injury. And so I think James Wiseman will become one of those players that we talk about. Oh, he got injured in his rookie season. There were doubts. And it's not like I think he'll become the best player in the league next year or anything like that. But I think that we're going to see him work on a game that needs a bit of control. And once it has that control in a couple of seasons, he'll be quite the force in the NBA. So I'm excited to see how his career rides out. This is just a short-term blip on the radar. Uh, Let's watch Steph Curry ball out because he's been unreal. And so I think that, you know, this season will be just about Steph Curry putting on an absolute show and watch out for Steph and Clay next year, Warriors off season moves. Um, As for, as for Rick Welts here, you know, 
Lots of amazing things there. 92 Dream Team really revolutionized the NBA. It really, really did. That was when things just took off to the next level because it, it wasn't was just 100%. Because it wasn't just Michael, Magic, and Larry on the NBA stage. They were on the global stage and the world was hungering for it since NBA players weren't allowed. So you needed the right marketing person to capitalize on that. And clearly he did a phenomenal job. Uh, All-Star Weekend, come on, absolutely love All-Star Weekend on my end. So shout out to him. But I think what's really amazing is getting the WNBA off the ground. Yeah, And probably how instrumental he was Agreed. in the Lisa Leslie era. And to see today players tweeting out their excitement about the WNBA draft. As, as someone who's lightly followed the dub for years, particularly uh, growing up following Kobe so much, he was always a big proponent of it. And so I, I think to me, that's a large part of what should be his lasting legacy is to help get that off the ground because I, I think the dub is really going up and up and up. Well, yeah. And we talked about this um, a few podcasts ago, how the WNBA got their best viewership in a long, long, long time because of the pandemic and all the all the other stuff that NBA players are doing to promote it. So, you know, it's just it's one of those things. He he left his mark in the game without us even knowing it. So that's a that's the mark of a really spectacular person. And speaking of spectacular person, Scholar, you brought up Stephen Curry. Well, he surpassed Will Chamberlain with, this is crazy. He dropped 53 on the Nuggets to surpass Will Chamberlain as the Warriors' all-time leading scorer. So Wilt had 17,783. And Curry now has more than 17,800 points at age 33. What's crazy is that he's averaging 38 Point nine points per game in his last eight games, which is the most by any player aged 33 or older. And I've been doing some math here because currently he has, like I said, 17,800 points. If he averages, this is being generous, if he averages 25 points for the next five years until he's, until he's 38, he'll end up with about 26,200 points. If he plays until he's 40 and averages 15 points at age 39 and 40, he'll end up at 28,300 thereabouts points, which would be good for top 10 all time. So with all those numbers out there, and I don't, I hate math, so I need the, I need the numbers here, but with all those numbers out there, where do you think he'll rank when it's all said and done? Because I have him again in the top 10, top 10, if he averages, you know, 25 over the next five years and 15 over the last two. I think if I'm going to have a good feeling, I'm going to put him in the lower half of the top 10. I think he deserves to be there. I think Steph Curry will retire as one of the greatest of all time. There's something that needs to be said when you put a franchise on the map. Think about it. Think about the Warriors before Steph Curry. If you think about the Warriors before Steph Curry, there wasn't really anything of note in Warriors history prior to him other than Baron Davis in the We Believe era. I, it's because of That's Steph fair. Curry that the that the Warriors are now on the national map. I mean, the Warriors had good years prior to Steph Curry, but like people, let's be honest, they were, I hate to say it, irrelevant. So I mean, like there's something to be said that a franchise has become you. Like the the franchise has its identity across you now. So uh, that you know, just by carrying that franchise alone, and also also fundamentally changing the sport you played. Patrick yeah. Mahomes is, is going to be in that same conversation, but that's football, no subject. That needs to be recognized. So with that being said, Steph Curry needs that top 10 recognition, in my opinion. I mean, before you, you hop in here, Skylar, I'm pretty sure he already does have top 10 recognition, whether people want to admit it or not. The thing is, when it comes to you know the top 10 scoring, he if he does everything that I've outlined here, which I'm pretty sure he might do or might not, he, he doesn't know me, so... He could he could definitely do these things and just inch into the top ten in all time scoring with twenty eight thousand points, just inch. But go ahead, Skyler. Very interesting stuff. Now Steph Curry is is absolutely amazing. He's changed the game. I do have to say though, I mean, I got to give a shout out to the Warriors. Nineteen seventy five, Rick Barry. I understand we weren't alive then, but irrelevant after you win a championship. Also, that whole run TMC era in the nineties. I would, I would call it relevant for sure. I wouldn't say it was anything spectacular. Latrell, Latrell Sprewell, you know, I just, I don't know. Sure I, I think they're, DJ Carlissimo. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Like they were, they were a franchise. They're up in Cali, and the We Believe years, yes, were were excellent for sure. They were great, and so definitely, particularly though in the seventies, Warriors were were very relevant. So, you know, I think. But the thing is, to watch Steph Curry go from being, you know, someone who they didn't extend him to a massive deal because they viewed him as limited potential with ankle problems. And he became Steph Curry from that. That is amazing to me. He really overcame expectations. You know, it's going to be tough for him to maintain for this long to get into the top 10. I see him more in the top 15, only uh, finishing in the top 15, only because it's it's not his fault. He didn't get the same kind of chance at the beginning of the, his career. It took him a little bit of time. It's the same thing, you know, with Kobe, fourth all-time leading scorer. They didn't let him start the first year. Second year, he was the youngest all-star starter ever. He was coming off the bench. And so it, it, it's nothing to Curry. I just think at 33 years old, you know, I think 25 points for the next three seasons is very realistic. And then we might see a drop off, but it could average out because it's tough to see him averaging only 15. So that'll be interesting. It's a lot of longevity. And I'm not sure, though, but the thing is, we've seen Steph Curry become the greatest player in the history of a franchise. And to me, that's that's really, really amazing. It's great to watch that journey. I remember him being drafted with Harden, DeRozan, Blake Griffin in 09. And so... I think, you know, Steph Curry's legacy is undeniable. Uh, he's one of the great, he's in that upper echelon of all-time players. He completely changed the game. He's exciting to watch. He's balling out at 33, and I think he'll have a lot of success. And I'd be very happy to see him in the lower end of the top 10. Uh, it's just going to be very difficult for him, but we'll definitely enjoy watching it. Absolutely. And how dare you, good sir? You forgot Johnny Flynn and Ricky Rubio. How dare you? Yes, of course. And Monte <laughs> yes. I mean, Monte, he's he's a different story. I wish we can talk about him a lot more. But yeah, yeah you're no. right. I mean, go ahead. No, he was a great player. It just wasn't the perfect era. He, he was kind of around for that Mark Jackson rebuilding at the end. Yeah, and the thing with Monte before we before we talk about other things is that you know he was he was a good complimentary piece but as the number one option he, you weren't going to get too far I, I just think um monte ellis as a player who was solid at the end of the day was fairly limited and i think the transfer of power between him and step was inevitably going to happen yeah it happened in 2012 because they traded him and i think fpa Udo for friggin' Charlie Bell and Andrew Bogut, which at the time I was incensed. I was seething. I was raging. I remember when that trade happened, I posted up on Facebook, like, why would you trade for an injured player? And three years later, I'm eating my words, but it took three years to get there still, you know? And the thing about Curry not getting a max deal, like four years, 44 that's a solid deal. Plus, nobody saw the explosion in 2016 with the cap, too. Like, that was just... Everything fell in the Warriors' favor at that point. So, he is going to be a top 10 player. Top 15 for sure, but top 10 is extremely debatable. But right now, if we're talking about Curry at 33, we're watching the the birth of another superstar. Well, let me rephrase that. We are watching the birth of a of a megastar maybe in Luka Doncic because he just hit one fantastic shot over the, over the Grizzlies literally because he was on one foot, his left foot, he was leaning forward and he, he did like a weird runner floater type deal from behind three point range. And he still made it much to the chagrin of all the Grizzlies players. And even, you know, some Grizzlies fans, which I happen to follow on, on Twitter for some reason, but yeah, Luka Doncic. The the thing with that is you also have to take whatever happened there in stride or in in this weird kind of situation because he and Mark Cuban complained pretty heavily about the idea of a play-in tournament. Quote, this is from Mark Cuban. He said to Tim McMahon, 
In hindsight, this approach was an enormous mistake. I get why the NBA is doing it, but if we're going to be creative because of COVID, we, we go straight up one through 20 and let the bottom four play in. This is the year particularly to do it because, because 10 games were cut in the conference, right? He also continues, it doubles the stress of the compressed schedule. Rather than playing for a playoff spot and being able to rest players as the standings become clear, teams have to approach every game as a playoff game to either get into or stay in the top six. So players are playing more games and more minutes in fewer days. What's interesting about this particular quote is that Mark Cuban said that after the Mavericks lost to Philly. And after that loss, Luca said, quote, I don't understand understand the idea of a play-in if you play 72 games to get into the playoffs then maybe you lose two in a row and you're out of the playoffs so i don't see the point in that now i think this is kind of weird because even though we're talking about luca's amazing game winner the mavs are firmly in that seventh seed they don't necessarily have a shot of of sneaking into the top six Unless something crazy happens with Portland, which I don't think will happen because they're, they're one game up on the Mavs. But quick thoughts on this, because I think this is really interesting that after, after the Mavericks lose to the Sixers and then all of a sudden they have, to, they have to fight for that seventh seed, both the star player and the owner are like, hey, we need to fix this because we're still in that situation. I get why Luca and Mark Cuban are complaining after all their competitors. They want it. They want the, let's face it as humans, we will all want the easiest way possible to success. And this is what, this is what's happening right now. They just, these guys are just wanting to win. But at the same time uh, about the play in tournament, you got to understand at the end of the day, the NBA is a business, a business in particular that's in show business. Yes. Sports is entertainment. It's part of, it's a, it's a, it's a form of show business. It's, it's part of Hollywood, whether you like it or not. So the play in tournament, the NBA has got to do whatever it can to make its product more, more entertaining than most other forms of entertainment. They're competing against them. And it, and it seems from the bubble so far, the, the fans love the play in tournament. And in my opinion, they are right. The play in tournament adds a certain level of, you know, of suspense and, and entertainment into the playoff chase. So I, you know, at the, like the fans are going to win out here and it's up to Mark and Luca to figure out how to adopt and play around that, uh, uh, around that extra format. Wow. Yeah. First of all, Luca Doncic hit the best game winner I have seen since Kobe Bryant faded away over Dwayne Wade off the backboard. To me personally, that is the most difficult that is the most difficult game winner that I've seen hit since 2010, or I think it was the end of 2009, in 2009-2010 season, when that happened. That was like a shuffle pass, falling forward, three-pointer, not the buzzer. I was blown away. I, I was blown away. I, I now have complete faith in Luca in the clutch and would want him taking the last shot. He has proven it enough, but to hit a shot that difficult, that beautiful, that impressive, that will be on his career highlight reel. I guarantee you that will be on the top 100 plays of the decade at the end of this when the NBA does that on YouTube again, if YouTube is still a thing we're using when 2030 hits. But right. anyways... Uh, I think that, yeah, I mean, come look, Mark Cuban, Luca, Mark Cuban is extremely competitive in all facets of life. And so I think he'd be singing a very different tune if the Mavericks were not in seventh place right now. So, of course, this is what he's going to say. Uh, play in tournament is great. It's a lot of fun. I understand the case for the other thing, but I, I think the play in tournament was sort of the the solution for that in certain respects. And so... I think last year could have been the time to do East-West. Maybe, maybe this year. He has a point. Mark Cuban is very creative. He does have some good ideas. But I'm excited for the play-in tournament this year. If it's stuck around forever, I'd be completely happy with that. And like I said, if the Mavericks were in first right now, 0% chance we hear this from Mark Cuban or Luga. Oh, yeah, no doubt. The thing with the uh, play-in tournament is that both the players and the governors had to agree to that. And if Mark Cuban is a governor, therefore, that means he 
probably agree to this. And I just, again, you guys are right. If he was in, if the Mavs were in a different situation, pretty sure Mark Cuban and Luca would have a different tune. But the reason why Cuban brought this out is that he said that the point is there is a lot of high usage players that are playing more minutes in a smaller time frame, thus leading to injuries. Josh Hart agrees that too many players are getting injured and a shortened season can happen again. And we'll get into the injuries a little bit more, but yeah, I, in some ways I can see where they're coming from, at least in terms of player health. But at the same time, Daniel, you brought up the point. The NBA is a business. They have to do this. And if they started, if they didn't have 72 games, they'd be losing, I think, $500 million, something like that. Because we talked about this in one of the uh, in one of the episodes prior to the NBA's restart, was that the amount of money they would lose is monumental. It's yep. an incredible amount of money that they're losing if they didn't start when they did. So... It's it's tough, but I can see both sides here, and that just that just goes to show how difficult of a situation this is. You know, like if you're Adam Silver and you're seeing all these players get injured, but at the same time, you know how much money that everyone else is losing. What do you do? That's a that's why he gets paid the big bucks, not us, because we don't have any idea what to do with with that. Because it is what it is, right? Yep, but. Yeah. He- at the same time, Jared, like I said it before, like it's an entertainment like showcase and you got to entertain the folks. So Adam, if I'm Adam, if I'm Adam Silver, I have to think like Mark Cuban's just one guy. I have to do what I can to keep the fans entertained or else I'm going to lose money and I'm going to lose butts in the seats. Yeah. And that's what makes yeah. this such a, an intricate situation because if you're, again, if you're Adam Silver, you have to look at every side and determine what is the best course of action. For sure. Yeah, no, I think that the play-in tournament makes a lot of sense. Uh, Mark Cuban is a very smart businessman as well as a smart competitor. And in this one, he let a competitor win because if he was in first right now, he'd been saying, oh, the play-in tournament is so entertaining. What a brilliant idea by the NBA. So yeah, I don't buy it. It's, it's cool to just see how competitive he is. I mean, he's always, always been that way. And so... That's that's all this really is to me. Uh, let's keep the playing tournament rocking. I can't wait to see it again. It was exciting last year. It's going to be even better this year. Yeah. Cubing just comes off as butthurt here, honestly. Yeah. He's butthurt. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Not too much. Zion. Zion. Zion in the playoff tournament. I can't wait to see. <laughs> yep. You know what? Judging by how the Spurs have scuffled these last few weeks and the fact that I think as of recording – the Pelicans are only two games behind the Spurs in in the last column, I think. Yep. We could potentially see that. But they're gonna make we'll the playoffs, in my opinion. Yeah. They're gonna make Zion it. is Shaq as a point guard. I, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. All right. I still have the Spurs in there, but we'll see. We'll see. But speaking of competitiveness and the play in tournament, let's talk about the Eastern Conference play in tournament because we did the Western Conference last week. So it'd only be fair if we talk about the East as well. So currently the Celtics are in fifth place at 26, 29 and 26, excuse me, nine games back of first place. They're only half a game up on the Knicks at 29 and 27 and nine and a half games back with both teams winning four straight. Now, a thing about the Celtics, they're probably going to lose because they're playing the Lakers tonight, which, you know, peak behind, peak behind the curtain is on a Thursday. So they're going to yes. probably... They're probably going to lose that, so they'll have the same record as the Knicks by the time this episode comes out, which is really weird to say, considering all the times we on the Knicks and how poorly run they are, they're in there. Yeah. And I remember uh, it was Daniel, Jarrell, and I, we did, a, we did a little blurb of this, of this podcast, and we said the, to- the Tom Thibodeau signing was horrific. It was a bad signing. Well, looks like we're eating our words it just took a little bit of time, but yeah, we're eating our words, but yeah. So the Celtics and Knicks are really neck and neck there. The heat are dude. They're sitting at 28 and 27. They're in seventh place and they're only 10 games back while the Hornets are 10 and a half games back at 27 and 27 in the eighth spot. The Pacers at 26 and 28 are ninth 
and are 11 and a half games back. So they're all within striking distance of the Knicks and Celtics. Meanwhile, the Bulls, who we just found out that Zach Levine is out indefinitely because of COVID protocols, they will be, they have a chance to fall out of the, uh, of the playing tournament altogether because they're 15 and a half games back of first place, but the Raptors are currently 16 and a half and the Wizards are right there, right next to the Raptors and the Cavs are seven and a half games back. So essentially one game, two games actually separate the Bulls in 10th and the, the Cavs at 13th. So with all that being said, Boston, New York, Miami, Charlotte, and Indiana could end up in some jumbled mess by the end of the season with the Bulls potentially being leapfrogged by either the Raptors, Wizards, or Cavaliers. That being said, I know there's a lot there, but that being said, what are your guys' predictions with this Eastern Conference plan tournament? Because I see that, you know, the, the Celtics, Knicks, Heat, Hornets, Pacers, they're just going to do whatever. They're just going to jumble around. They're just going to switch bots. The Bulls might actually fall out. I think I'm going to say the Raptors sneak in there just barely into that plan tournament. But what say you guys? Uh, I agree. I think losing Zach Levine is a huge, huge under like, you know, event that, that just happened in a very negative light. Let's be honest. Zach Levine is that Chicago Bulls team. And if he falls out, uh, I hate to say it. Laurie marketing is not going to carry the load for you. And, you know, and Vucevic. yeah, they're going to fall out. Huh? Vucevic. Oh, they're, yeah, I forgot Vucevic. But anyways, weird, I think really quickly, weird thing. The Bulls have a worse record with with Vucevic now in the last, I think, 11 games than the Magic because I think the Bulls were like 3-8, and eight, I think. And the Bulls are 2-9 and nine with Vucevic, something like that. So, And also, I mean, they also, they've also been on a four-game losing streak. And, you know, let's – and, in like, you got to remember, with when these trades happen, it takes time for new acquisitions often to get adjusted to the new offense. So if I'm the Bulls and I just lost Zach Levine, I'm going to be honest, I'm just, I'm just getting, getting prepped for next season. And that's when we're going to see the, this real Chicago team come out. Um, I think New Orleans – I think – no, not New Orleans. I think Charlotte, uh, I think they're going to – The Hornets. Funny feeling. I think they're going to hold on to their – they're not going to survive the play-in tournament, though, because they just lost LaMelo Ball. I think that's a huge loss. Uh, funny enough, I think the the Celtics and the Knicks are going to hold on. The Celtics in particular, they're just too talented. But overall, the I'm going to be honest, the Eastern Conference is a big-ass mess right now, and it's, it's hard to predict. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, very, very interesting stuff. Uh, for sure. And by the way, Lakers Celtics, you mentioned tonight, uh, Lakers raising that championship banner. I got the championship hat on. So shout out to the Los Angeles Lakers 2020 championships, doing it for the Mamba. Love to see it. Anyways, Love as far it. as the East goes, you know, I'm, I'm going to make a little bit of a wild prediction here. Not too wild, but I think that the Hornets without LaMelo Ball will lose momentum. I think they will end up falling out. I think the Pacers are for real as far as making the playoff play-in tournament with Brogdon and Sabonis, so I think they'll be fine. I also think, yeah, Chicago losing Zach Levine for these games is is not a great look at this point in the season. So I'm actually – I think the Wizards make it in for sure. Uh, Westbrook has been out of his Mm. mind – Absolutely. They are doing great overall right now. Uh, and they've won five of their last six with six Westbrook triple doubles. He's balling out. I know I'm the only Westbrook guy on here tonight right now. But anyways, I really do believe that Chicago will make the play or sorry, Washington will make the play in tournament with Westbrook and Bradley Beal. And I think that could be really interesting. What Russell Westbrook in a single elimination game. Also, I think the Raptors can sneak in there. I actually think that with Levine, you know, coming back, he will be back eventually with Vucevic. I think that the Bulls have a better chance than the Hornets in the long run of this season. Not the right. And so I think the Raptors could 
make it any good. But my money is actually on on the Wizards over the Raptors. Uh, Siakam really needs to work on that clutch team, though, man. I mean, come on. But you got Kyle Lowry. You got Nick Nurse as your coach. It hasn't been a great season for them at all. But anything can happen. So overall, I'm actually going with the Raptors and Wizards making it as the Bulls and the Hornets fall out. And the Bulls will be just fine. They have a very bright future ahead of them. Oh, yeah. The one thing that is kind of interesting, right? Because you talked about potentially the Wizards making it in. So the next 10 against the, the next 10 opponents that are facing the Wizards are as follows the Pelicans, Pistons, Thunder, Warriors, Thunder, Cavaliers, Spurs, Lakers, Cavaliers, and Mavericks. Just looking at this, I see one, two, three. Four teams that they will definitely lose to. The Warriors, Spurs, Lakers, and Mavericks. The rest, the Cavs, again, Cavs, Thunder, Pistons, and Pelicans. Those are definitely winnable games. So I can see them in the next 10 going 6-4 and four to leapfrog into that playing spot that could be vacated because of the Zach Levine injury. Or not injury, but his absence. Because I, was, I think I was reading somewhere that because of this covid thing that he's going through he could miss up to eight games and oh wow yeah That's he's bad. gone he's gone 10 to 14 then days over which is eight yeah, games season like oh wait who knows because maybe Vucevic can do something and do what he did with the magic a few years ago and just carry them to the playoffs yeah yeah, that's why I think the Hornets are are actually most likely to fall out, uh, having lost Lamelo Ball. And even with the Wizards, six and four is great. You never know who would have thought that the Lakers would beat the Nets. And even crazier, who would have thought that would be Lamarcus Aldridge's last game of his career? My goodness! Right. So it's the NBA. You never, never know what can happen. It's crazy. Yeah, and it's actually really messed up too. I hate to bring the the pod down a little bit, but when I saw that Shams tweeted that LaMarcus Aldridge initially was retiring. I saw a lot of comments saying, oh, uh, Andre Drummond caused him to retire. He got bodied by Drummond so hard that he retired. I'm like, uh, let's, let's wait. Let's just relax a bit. Because as much, of a, per, as much of, of a presence as Andre Drummond is, I don't think he's enough to cause someone to retire. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. But, you know, it is what it is. But... Speaking of more devastating news, I hate to say this, but we were talking about the Warriors and Nuggets game from a few minutes ago. But yeah, Jamal Murray, it's confirmed he tore his ACL with 50 seconds left against the Warriors. It's obviously a devastating injury and the probable timetable is this time next year or he might even miss the entire season. Like I know that that's not that's not been confirmed yet, but because it is such a late injury, I I don't see him playing next year at all. If anything, it's going to be like the, the Paul George situation where he only played six games, something like that, five, six games in, after he broke his leg, and he just averaged 13 points. At that point, I would just sit him for the, for the rest of all of next season. So it's it sucks, but initial thoughts on this before I delve into into this injury a little bit more devastating news jamal murray to me even though he's far down the list he's one of the most fun young players to watch in the league i would definitely take trey young over jamal murray but jamal murray's a blast to watch uh, it's just it's just bad that i too think that i, I think he's going to sit out net for next season this mm-hmm. definitely really affects denver's you know obviously i think any championship hope the nuggets had going in is totally eviscerated by now and because of this injury that's why i think the lakers are ultimately going to finish up in fourth remember there's like there's only one game that separates the nuggets from the lakers from that fourth spot uh i think the lakers finish in fourth and i'm predicting it right now if the lakers go against the nuggets in the first round i think it's with ron and ad back it's going to be a five game gentleman sweep in the first round um it would have been a lot more difficult had jamal been on the floor uh, the lucky thing is, even though I don't think he's going to play next season, I think he's going to come back, you know, just as good as he was before. Uh, the thing, the biggest difference between him and the D Rose situation was D Rose's game was a lot of it was predicated on burst of, of, you know, agility, speed, and athleticism. Jamal Murray's game is not predicated that 
like not nearly as far as much. So I think this injury, while it's bad in the moment, it's going to be fine in the long run. So that that's the only good news. But to Jamal Murray, if you're listening, I hope you have a speedy recovery. We look forward to having you back on the floor. Absolutely. And Skylar, really quickly, um, because Daniel did mention Anthony Davis, I just saw a tweet here from Tim Bontemp saying that Frank Vogel said that Anthony Davis would likely play in short bursts around 15 minutes a game. So do with that information what you will. Starting when? Yeah, he didn't say when he returns. Gotcha, when. gotcha. Oh, man, yeah. I thought last minute AD returned tonight for the championship banner. Oh, that would have been a dream, but it'll still be great. Anyways, looking forward to seeing Anthony Davis back, one of the best players in the league, and uh, we've missed watching him dearly. As have, you know, we've missed a lot of players because the shortened season, the offseason, Jamal Murray having like an 80-day offseason. We wondered what could happen, and unfortunately, this is it. You know, we've seen a lot of injuries, and it's very devastating. I think, though, that this could be a blessing in disguise for Jamal Murray. Because we saw a stone-cold killer in the bubble. We saw the potential he has. Straight up, he did that reverse layup that looked Jordan-esque, okay? Jamal Murray is a beast, a fiend, the Canadian killer. I can't wait to see him back. And I actually think that this season, I don't want, he took a step back from the bubble. He took a oh, yeah. step back from his full potential. It wasn't the same. And so I think that Jamal Murray proved that he has that dog in him and it can come out. And he's really, really young still. So I think that this gives him time to rehab, to work really hard, to learn, to train, to reach out to veterans, to study film, and to really decide what kind of player he wants to be and how hard he wants to work. Because Jamal Murray can become, you know, one, I, I would say like he could easily become a top 30 player of all time if he can get, if he can keep himself at the level he was in the bubble. I primarily think of that because I think of Steve Nash, greatest Canadian ever, top 30 all time. And I'm thinking maybe Jamal Murray could become the greatest Canadian player ever. So I really think that this injury, he needs to look at it as a blessing in disguise. He needs to work his butt off. He needs to train hard. He needs to watch film of the bubble, compare it to this season, and get back there. And I can't wait to see Jamal Murray back on a basketball court. I think he makes a heroic return late next season. But I think that um, it's over for the Nuggets. Jokic will be fun to watch. Uh, Jokic and Gordon in the playoffs even. And, you know, a little Austin Rivers there. And, yeah, I, I I think, though, that, you know, Nuggets hopes are, are done for this year with that. Uh, but let's get bubble Jamal Murray back. And, and best wishes to Jamal Murray. Get well. Canada's behind you, man. Yeah. And speaking of Jamal Murray real quickly, the, the thing about his bubble performance, that was, dare I say, kind of unsustainable because he was, what, lighting it up, 26 and 6 rebounds, 6 assists or something crazy like that. And no crowds, too. Right. And he was slowly rounding into the form that I think we'll see of him because in his last 15 games, he averaged 22.6 points, 5.2 assists, and 3.7 rebounds on, get this, get ready, 49-45-95 splits in 36 minutes. He can definitely do that. If he can do that for 15 games, yeah. that's, I think that's, his, that's kind of like his ceiling. 26 points, crazy. But if he can average 25, 5, and 5 on 50, 40, and 89 in 35, 36 minutes post-injury, that's fantastic. That is yeah. incredible. And I think, it, I think he can get to 25 points a game. I think if he can do – I think that's like an absolute – you know, I think he could be a real star in this league scoring 25, 5, and 5. That'd be epic. Oh, yeah. He'd be like a, a much more, I don't want to say impressive, but he'd be a much more delightful watch, a delightful version of Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi is averaging 25, 5, and 5 right now, but it's very robotic. With Jamal, it's like, yes. ooh, what is he going to do? Is he going to do like, like you mentioned, the, the up yeah. and under? Like, yeah, I mean, that's- absolutely. I just think this injury kind of puts Denver in an also interesting spot. Because they also have another 
promising young player in Michael Porter Jr. So I think his mm-hmm. role on this his his role on this team is going to be much more important going into the end of this year. And I think he's going to have a much, he's going to have a very important role next year because he's got him and Jokic are going to have this have this one big task just get them into the playoffs because their championship hopes they're 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 going to be let's just let's just say it, they're going to be kaput for the next two seasons. Yeah. MPJ will have a big opportunity. That is a great point, Daniel. Uh, he's a great player on the basketball court. Has some strange theories off it, but anyways, I think that he will be really really successful in this situation and whew, nuggets have some firepower gordon mpj Jokic, will be a fun team to watch and with a renewed murray i can't wait yeah and that's another thing that we forgot to mention aaron gordon because next year he's just he's on the books for 16 million dollars only next year and he's only 26 and the way that he's played it seems like he's enjoying denver more and he he and Jokic have built this rapport rather quickly that I can see this stretching for another season. If you know, if he's able to amass something, something different, he can do it because right now with Denver, he's only averaging eleven points and four rebounds, which is decent. And his numbers, his shooting, three point shooting has taken a massive dip from when he was in Orlando. But the fact of the matter is he is just enjoying it. It seems like more in Denver. I don't know if it's the weather, if it's the altitude, if it's the, but it's just something. It's just a good time in Denver. I would imagine. So look for Aaron Gordon to average, maybe 15 Michael Porter jr. Averaging 20 Jokic averaging 20 and 10 with eight assists. And you can have a pretty solid top four squad in the West. At least that's what I'm thinking. I could see this iteration of the Nuggets because I do really believe in Mike Malone as a coach. I think he's a really talented head coach, winning at least one or two rings in this iteration. But, you know, like, we can't control what, what goes on in the future. But yeah. I have hope that they can they can pull it off. Speculation wow. is fun. Yeah, absolutely. I can definitely see them uh, going to the finals at least. It's tough, man. It's tough. I mean, we got we got Luka Doncic on the Mavs. We got Giannis trying to get a ring. We got the Sixers who were looking on fire before and he got injured and they're honestly looking great right now. As far as the Nuggets getting a ring, man, I don't know, but I, I think they'll be uh they'll definitely be a classic team in 2K. And I definitely see at least, you know, at least a finals appearance from them at some point for sure. I'm excited to see it. Let's hope Jamal Murray gets well soon so we can keep seeing this version because they were a lot of fun to watch in the bubble uh, last year. And I think we'll see a more fun Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs for sure. Did you guys see that laugh he had on the yeah. bench the other day? That was yeah. awesome. He He's preparing to be fun guy Kawhi again, so we'll have to see. What elicited that laugh? I don't know, but it was just... Yeah. It was like a 90s sitcom intro on steroids, like, yeah. like way too forced, but, but that's Kawhi. We heard his laugh the first time. He's a robot, so it, it must be very hard for him to laugh. And, uh, but keep on smiling, Kawhi. It's pretty funny stuff, man. Yeah, he got a, he got a new firmware update, so they're introducing smiling. But, yeah, I mean, Skylar, you mentioned Austin Rivers, and it's interesting. The Nuggets are, it's been reported that the Nuggets are bringing him on on a 10 day contract. I'm still lobbying for Jeremy Lin to get some run somewhere because he's the only player among the top 11 scorers from the NBA G League bubble without an NBA contract or having spent at least some time in the league this season, per Mark Stein. Now, I don't know if I'm just being biased because I'm Asian, but this is just. I don't know what it is. I read somewhere that the it not necessarily his activism, but the fact that if teams were to bring him on, it would give more notoriety to the squad and make their moves that much more magnified, if that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. if they bring in some dude from the G League that nobody knows, if it doesn't pan out, oh well, cool. Cut him, wave him, do whatever. But if they bring on Jeremy Lin there's a much more people will be more focused on what happens. They'll be concerned about what 
happens, all the moves that have been made. And if Jeremy Lin doesn't pan out, they might, you know, bash the organization, bash the coaches, bash the players, what have you. So I don't know. Quick thoughts on that. I mean, it would not surprise me if teams had that perspective, given like, you know, some of the unnecessary notoriety a team could get because of that move. Case in point, I know it's a different sport, Tim Tebow about 10 years ago. But at the same time, Jeremy Lin is fully deserving to be on an NBA NBA squad. We saw what he could do in Linsanity. Linsanity was honestly the only time my mother watched basketball and cared about basketball. So he has that effect on people. I think in a way, yes, there are downsides of getting a player like Jeremy Lin on, but you got to think about like about the money. Like Jeremy Lin will get people watching your games, get people watching your product. So like there's there's good and bad in this. And you know, I know teams think there's that a lot of bad can come from this situation, but there are a lot of positives as well. And I think as a, as a player, I think it's only fair that he gets a fair shot. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. No, Jeremy Lin is more than deserving. There's no reason that he should not be on an NBA team. And in particular, that whole thing about them drawing attention is just ridiculous. This is why Carmelo Anthony was out of the league for a year and a half. Oh, he, he gets trolled on Twitter. We don't want him. Oh, analytics, Houston Rockets. Oh, he got cut by them, basically. And then what do you know? He comes back and he's balling out on Portland and he's still Carmelo Anthony. So you bring back Jeremy Lin and he's still going to be Jeremy Lin. Maybe not Lin Sanity, but he's always been a phenomenal capable NBA player since then. Want to ring on the Raptors didn't get to have as much impact, but if he did, it would have just benefited them. He really is still a great player. He really can do awesome things and he's a great guy as well who brings awareness to really important issues. And so get him on your team. He's unbelievably deserving. Uh, He should have been personally on the Golden State Warriors, being on the Santa Cruz Warriors. And so any team could use him. Like go back to Charlotte without LaMelo Ball. Any team could use Jeremy Lin. It is silly not to bring him on. Get Jeremy Lin on. Lin Sanity forever. And by all accounts, you mentioned how good of a human being he is. He's also a good locker room presence because most of the things I've read about him, at least pertaining to his locker room presence, everyone's always had good things to say about him. He's always that guy that people are always happy to be around. Like you saw it with Kemba Walker in Charlotte. They built such a nice rapport that when they went to the playoffs, what was it, in 2016, 2017, one of those two years? Like, they, I think it was Steve Clifford, had the wherewithal to play him at the same time because they're their on-court synergy was just unmatched. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's baffling to see him still without a contract, considering he played in the CBA. He proved that he was healthy in the CBA. He proved he was healthy in the G League bubble, and yet teams just don't want to give him another shot. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. I'm hopeful, though. There's, I don't know, four weeks of the NBA left, a month left. Oh, my God. There's only a month left of NBA basketball. But anyways, I'm hopeful that one team will say, you know what, we'll give them a shot. And I really hope it's the Warriors because they got rid of, what's his face, Brad Wanamaker, which I was really high on. But, you know, Nico Mannion sometimes just isn't cutting it. Maybe you need a veteran presence. But, yeah. Speaking of presence, some quick hitters for today. Um I don't know if you guys recognize. Today is Jackie Robinson Day, honoring hey. the breakage of MLB's color barrier on April 15th, 1947. So shout out to Jackie Robinson. I, I saw that the Dodgers did something really cool. They spent some time outside of Dodger Stadium to commemorate Jackie Robinson and just, you know, talk outside of his statue. So I thought that was pretty cool. Something that you guys will like as Lakers fans, Michael Jordan will present Kobe Bryant in the Hall of Fame ceremony on May 15th. Now, Tamika Catchings is going to be presented by Alonzo Mourning, Tim Duncan, David Robinson, Kevin Garnett, Isaiah Thomas, and Rudy T by Calvin Murphy and Hakeem Olajuwon. Quick thoughts on that? I think this is this is a star-studded list, and Michael Jordan presenting Kobe Bryant, extremely fitting. I can't see anyone else who would who would do that. Maybe Phil Jackson, but nah, nah, nah. Michael's all the way. Uh, first off, on regards to Jackie Robinson, to paraphrase a 
a one of my favorite professors of all time. Jackie Robinson is one of the greatest athletes America has ever created and deserves to be recognized year in, year out for the accomplishments he gave to sports. But other than that, on to the Hall of Fame presentation. Phenomenal list, Jared. Uh, these speakers, it's honestly one of the, in my opinion, one of the better classes of all time. It, it can be up there, one of the best Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame class of all time. Uh, as far as Kobe speaker goes, Michael Jordan is absolutely the ultimate respect move. Uh, how fitting, I absolutely agree. You know, from, you know, from, you know, to give the Hall of Fame induction speech to your protege. Let's be honest, Kobe was Michael's protege, master, the master giving respect to his, you know, understudy. It's the you couldn't really write it like yourself. Like you could just write it yourself. It's a, it's a great story. I think it's, yeah, it's ultimately fitting. So props to Michael Jordan. Absolutely. Uh, first of all, yeah, definitely. Jackie Robinson day deserves to be celebrated all the time. I remember Chadwick Bozeman passing away on Jackie Robinson's birthday last year. And Chadwick Bozeman did, you know, Wakanda forever as well. Uh, Chadwick Bozeman did an amazing job playing Jackie Robinson in the document, in the biopic. And yeah, just, can you imagine all, all the events, all the important moments, things that we've learned as a society, that wouldn't exist if that color barrier wasn't broken. I mean, it's, it's, it's despicable that it existed and thank goodness for Jackie Robinson. Thank goodness. Honestly, like the guy is a hero. He's a legend. He deserves to be celebrated and yeah, go Jackie Robinson, but also go Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. I love this. Only other person I could see is Pau Gasol. I honestly see, though, Pau Gasol and Kobe were such close friends off the court that I, I think that was why Pau wasn't speaking at the memorial. It's just Mark Gasol can't even talk about it yet. It's just a different story, and I completely understand. But as it goes for the Hall of Fame as well, when you think of the word Kobe, when you think of the two words, Kobe Bryant, you think of the one word, greatness. And when you think of greatness, you think of Michael Jordan as well. And so it, it is only fitting that it is Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan standing in front of two Kobe jerseys at the memorial was just a full circle basketball moment. And th this is one of those things. It's going to be iconic. It's going to be legendary. It's going to be special. It's going to live on forever. Uh, Michael Jordan was interesting at his 09 Hall of Fame, uh, going at everyone, including his own kids. And so I think it'll be really amazing to see him back on that stage being really emotional and respectful. And I just can't wait. You know, Michael was Kobe's big brother always. And so uh, it's the only thing that makes sense. And I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. And great stuff all around. You know, Houston Rockets franchise, Calvin Murphy, little dude shooting the ball, amazing free throw shooter, balling out. Hakeem, come on, unbelievable. And then David Robinson, Tim Duncan, only fitting. Isaiah Thomas and KG, but both just dogs. Just mm. at, You need a dog to induct KG. Isaiah Thomas has that dog in him, to say the least. And so... Yeah, I'm excited. I can't I can't wait, but I think Michael Jordan inducting Kobe Bryant into the Hall of Fame will be one of the greatest moments in the history of sport. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I'll May 15th, we're we're all gonna be watching and we're definitely gonna be talking about it at some point. But yeah, one last thing here. We mentioned KG. Well, we all were hoping that the Timberwolves would be sold to KG because he is the greatest player in franchise history because the Timberwolves have been a franchise in their entire history, but it disaster. turns out disaster that doesn't even that doesn't even encapsulate whatever is going on in Minnesota because they have the worst winning percentage of any American major sports team at three ninety three. So they've won less fewer than forty percent of their games, but Piss that's four. neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, speaking of the Timberwolves, they've been sold to Alex Rodriguez. And billionaire Mark Mark Lore, so they're still finalizing the details. But the, those two guys, along with a bunch of other people, bunch of other rich people, are finalizing a deal to buy the Timberwolves and the Minnesota Lynx from Glenn Taylor per Woj. Rodriguez and Lore will take over in 2023, and the team is expected to cost around 1.5 billion dollars. So that said. Expect the T-Wolves to be bad until 2023. 
I, I think I that's mean, our option. Go ahead, go ahead. It, it's uh it's better than having Glenn Taylor. Uh, it's uh overall thoughts. This is weird. Like you have KG. KG cares like if you if there was anyone that cares most about this franchise, it's Kevin Garnett. Kevin oh, yeah. Garnett is Minnesota. He is yep. the he's a Timberwolf for life. So I mean, it's better than the current situation, but the selling to a baseball player, Alex Rodriguez, it's kind of weird to me. It's so odd. Yeah, to uh, to paraphrase baseball, it's definitely out of left field that Alex Rodriguez <laughs> got that. Uh, I mean, hey, I, I love me some A-Rod, but A-Rod owning the T-Wolves, and man, I wanted this A-Rod because I like him, but could have found a way to cut KG in. You would have found a way to cut KG in on that ownership group. And that's what's most surprising about me. And I don't know the politics and what goes on behind the scenes. And if A-Rod had any say in that, but he, but he's also A-Rod. So I think an effort to get uh, KG in would have only been right. Uh, and just shout out to KG, man. He, he had a beautiful piece in his book about DMX. And I really think KG, uh, rest in peace, DMX. I really think that KG was the basketball version of DMX. Both barking all the time, man. KG is incredible. Can't wait to see him in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. And just to end things off here, this Alex Rodriguez deal, news, whatever you want to call it, it's a curveball. It's a it's a really it's a really strange curveball. Yes. But what's not a strange curveball is the fact that you should subscribe to the Shooting Bricks podcast and leave a review on your platform of choice. It really helps us out. Lastly, make sure to follow us on at Podcast Bricks on Twitter and at Shooting Bricks Podcast on Instagram for all the news on the Shooting Bricks Podcast. And as always, I'm Jerry Castillo. I'm Daniel Huynh, getting vaccinated this weekend and wish, uh, sending my well regards to Drell. Get better, buddy. We're hoping you return next week. Absolutely. Yo, what up? This is Skylar. Yeah, thank you, G, for sharing your love of LaMarcus Aldridge. We miss you today. Look forward to seeing you back. Shout out to Kobe Bryant for scoring 60 points five years ago this week. So Mamba forever. Right. And with all that being said, G, we miss you. Hopefully you feel better. Get vaccinated, everyone, because that's what G did. And that's why he's doing a great job. But apart from that, we will see everyone and G next week.